Hi, and welcome to the first Film 5.0 podcast. I'm Linda Gutchko, and this is my co-host and co-founder of Film 5.0, Steve Hiller. On today's podcast, we'd like to introduce ourselves to you and give you a little background on our film career. So Steve is going to start us off on his journey in the film business. Hi, I am Steve Hiller. Um, my film career actually started after I'd served in the Marines for a couple of years. I went to film school back in Chicago. And um, and right out of film school, I got very lucky that I, I always wanted to be in camera, and that's what I studied. I got very lucky and went right on to a movie in Chicago called Blues Brothers. And, uh, I mean, it was a stroke of luck, but uh, as the business goes, once you once you establish yourself, things hopefully you know if you do a good job, things continue. And for me, they did. And um, I stayed an assistant for probably twenty five years. You know, moving from second to a first to a focus puller. And then I became an operator until I retired. And uh, you know, and, and my last film uh, was Anchorman. That was a good film to go out on. And, um, and now I'm, we're doing documentaries. All right. And um, so I started out basically, you know, loving film. I think that's something that we usually all have in common when we get into this industry is that you have a love of film. And I always wanted to do something with film. So I was lucky enough to get on a couple commercials and see what the cameras did and and who was working them and talk to those people, make connections. And then I decided to go to um, Victor Duncan Chicago, which became Panavision Chicago. And uh, I was a prep deck there for a little over a year, and that's where I met Steve. He was one of the guys that would come in, and I would prep the cameras, and Steve was always really great to talk to. He was always very nice, a lot of really great advice and again just an easy person to talk to so i decided that i wanted to get into the union because if you want to work on uh, major motion pictures and uh, tv shows you needed to be in the union so he encouraged me to get in union and i believe i had three reference letters one was from steve and then two other assistants and i got in the union um my very first film was groundhog day and Steve actually was the person who helped get me that film, and I didn't know it until about a year later. Uh, so I started out on Groundhog Day as a loader and worked my way up. Um, I think my second or third film was with Steve as his assistant on The Fugitive. And from there, we worked almost 20 years together, and it was... Um, a great ride and we had a lot of fun we worked very hard but I thought and I still think that we were a very good team so Steve is retired and I'm continuing in the industry in um, uh, being a first and camera operator and um, you know I still have a love for film and and I know Steve does as well because you know we're always talking about what we've seen on you know TV or, or what movie we've watched so um, yeah, so that's pretty much our background and how we met. All right, so um, one of the things uh, that we wanted to talk about is our goals for uh, this, um, uh, these podcasts. 
Uh, we're currently working on doing seminars and going out to teach people um, the, the very basic things that we've uh, figured out, right, and, and worked on and know. And we're just trying to give our, uh, I guess, our expertise to uh, younger and, and different people so that it's maybe they have a better understanding of things. So we're working on those seminars, and we're going to hopefully roll those out soon. But we thought we would do a podcast. And um, so our goals are to uh, this one to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Right, Steve? Yeah. And then we're hoping to have um, guests on in the industry. And we also were hoping to have maybe some up-and-coming people, you know, to tell you about their story and how they got in the industry because everybody's got a story, right, Steve? I, everybody has a story, without a doubt. So, like, like in our when I finished my career, people people would say, "Well, you should write a book." Well, our seminar is that book because it's like, I mean, when I think about when it, all the experiences that I've had, and and believe me, don't get me going because I could talk about I have stories, and so does Linda. So instead of the book, we thought, well, let's share, let's let's share what we've learned in person, to, you know, like, you know, in the, in the form of a seminar, because I mean, we've certainly got the material and we've certainly got the information. You know, I can't say that I'm an expert in any one particular thing, but I'm knowledgeable in a lot of things, and uh, and Linda definitely is. And uh, so that's what we thought we would do. We're writing a book with our seminar. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a good way to put it. Uh, a book would be great, but you don't quite get the feeling and telling the stories. Uh, I think one of the things that attracted me to this business once I got in it, sort of locked it in, was um, I went out to a set that Steve was working on as a first assistant, and I was still working at Panavision, and I had to go out and service the camera, and so I came to the set, and I think it was Father Jim. Father Jim. Remember Father Jim, yeah. Roger, Roger uh, Daltrey? Yeah, Roger Daltrey, right? Roger Daltrey, yeah. And um, uh, it was my very first time, like, on a film set. So I was coming to work on the video tap or something that Panavision set me out, and I had known Steve. He'd prepped many times, and um, it was very it was it was just really interesting to to be there and see everything that was going on and um yeah i got to stay and watch a couple scenes it was really cool yep that's uh we had actually met before that because like <clears throat> when linda was a prep tech and one of the procedures is you know as an assistant you go into a rental house and most in my case most of the time it was panavision and and you go through all the gear that you're about to use. And um, the prep tech, in this case, Linda, would be the person that pulls out all the gear, you know, as per your list or the cameraman's list and all the things you're going to check out and go over and prep. And that's how we met, basically. And um, in the day that she'd come out on our set, I already knew her, but she had not been on a set before. So, um, so then later when, uh, you know, I've been working films and, you know, I knew that she was more than ready to go on a set. And um, when they were about to do um, Groundhog Day, 
I knew the assistants on the job and I knew that they were looking for somebody and I recommended Linda and um, and they took me up on it and the rest was history for her. And then um, after Groundhog Day, she pre pretty much worked for, for me after that, almost all, all the films until I retired. But uh, that's where we started and... Um, you know, I'd already been in the business for ten years then, but but that's where we started, and um, and uh, it's been a good been a good yeah. uh, been a bit of good run. <laughs> and, yeah, I used to uh, after I first met. I actually met Steve um, a couple of days before my mother passed away, and re and as we were talking, realized they both had the same birth date, uh, not year but date, and I thought, well, that was quite interesting. Uh, and I met him with his daughter, Allie. She had, they were coming in. I think you had just gotten home from working on a film. And you brought Allie in. It was the year of the cicada because yeah, she had she a... Was, she was like eight. Yeah, she had a cicada uh, keychain. And um, so I met Steve and uh, he was coming in to talk or do something. He said, well, I'll be in a few, in a few more days to, to prep. And um, so I said, oh, okay. So he came in, and I was really new at that point, and um, I had been working in group in electric because the the way it worked back then was you went into grip and electric to learn all of that, but you went in there basically to learn the paperwork because back before everybody was scanning barcodes, you had to write everything down. So it was actually really great to learn all the lights and what a Hollywood set is and, you know, test things and dollies. And then I finally moved up to camera. And again, uh, basically the week I moved up, that's when I met Steve. And then he said, well, I'll be in in a couple of days because I'm prepping. Um, I don't know if it was a commercial or another no feature. No memory, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so from then on, as soon as I became a prepped, prep tech and got up to speed whenever I saw Steve's name that you know in the morning I'd I'd grab his things because he was one of the nicer assistants to me they they were all great guys and and guys by the way there was only there was only one female and uh, she didn't work a lot so when I would see Steve's you know um work order up there I'd pull it right away and and I knew what he liked I knew that that he liked the curly cable on the zoom uh Zoom gun. I, I knew what Zoom gun he liked. Um, so little things like that, that I think helped me not only work well with Steve and prep a package that he needed and wanted, uh, it was faster. And it also showed him that I was able to, you know, pick up on those little things and, you know, make his prep hopefully easier and better. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that translates Later on, that translates to the set because you know, I'm knowing what I like and knowing what I need, you know, like, you know, to make to make it work for what I was doing. And then, you know, the other thing, and I was gray haired. And one thing I remember, I was gray haired even then, uh, not as much. But but uh, but one of the things that I tell people is that I learned when I came into business, all the guys that I learned from were the gray haired old white guys. <clears throat> and I really listened and absorbed you know, what they taught me, you know, they're pretty much all gone now, but, you know, I was gray early, but, but, you know, I tell people now, like, you know, like if, if you have that opportunity to be around some of the older old timers and there's not a lot of them anymore 
but listen up and take you know learn from them because I mean they have you know they they may th- do things a little differently than what you are learning now, but they have they have things they can tell you, and uh, that's how I learned. And Linda would probably say that's how she learned too. No, you know, sadly nowadays that you know people are they're you know they're I mean it's it's only natural to want to hire your peers, but a lot of times some of the more experienced people are ignored because of that and because. Somebody wants to surround themselves with peers, with their peers rather than with experience. Not, you know, nothing wrong with hiring your peers, but be aware that there are people there that can that can benefit your production. You know, and uh, and sometimes they are the grayer guys and the guys that have been around a long time. You know, and you can learn from that. And we'll talk we'll talk about that too in our seminars. Absolutely. That's one thing we will talk about in the seminars and also in our podcast as well, because a lot of the people that we worked with or I still work with are, you know, uh, we're considered now sort of the elders, you know, Uh, (laughs) but but Steve's right. When I was coming up, it was the older guys. And by the way, Steve was always had gray hair. I see people now and they go, well, you look the same. I go, yeah, well, I, I. had gray hair when I was 30. That's, yes. Maybe Vietnam did that, I think. But um, Yes, and your Irish genes, I yeah. think. I'm a, I'm a Vietnam veteran, and that had something to do with it, I think. Who yes, knows? yes. And and many stories about that as well on, on set. And when we were not, when the camera was set up and going, we would have conversations about that. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I have to agree with Steve because it worked for me as it did for him is I, I wanted to hear from the older guys, you know, tell me how's it going? Or they'd say, you know what, when you're slating, you know, do this angle, the slate or just little things that they knew. And that's who I learned from. Uh, That's who was behind the camera and working around the camera. And it was a good thing. I've always gotten along with men very well. So to, be in a in the uh, prep room or on a set with guys all around me, absolutely fine. Um, and again, the knowledge you get from every, if you get on a film set and you don't learn something every day, something's wrong, right? I mean, I think it's one of the greatest. You know, every job teaches you, but the film set is just great. I mean, it it gives you life lessons. Um, it's. I think it's just one of the best places to work to see the world. I mean, you know, it's a good point about learning because, and I have to say that, you know, as a focus puller, there was never a film where I didn't learn some other technique, some 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 other way to do my job. And then when I became an operator, I really learned a lot from different people. Like, you know, like, like I mean, even as something a simple thing like doing it over on somebody, and you know. Rather than playing the person in front of you, you you play the over. Let let the hold on the over and let that person play the scene. And you know, like I'm not, that's something I, as an assistant, I wasn't paying attention to that. The fact that that's the way you do it over. You just you let the actor on camera play the scene and you hold that over you, rather than rather than losing it. But just little things like that. And uh, you know, it was one of the older, more experienced guy that that told me, you know, here I'm already. You know, been in the business for years, and just told me at between takes, you know, just you know, get find your over and hold it, and let the actor play that scene. And oh yeah, duh, that really works. <laughs> it's just like, and I and I learned that like 
only a couple of years before I retired. So, so there's, yeah, but it, the, there's always you know, something, to, always something to learn. So. Absolutely. There's always something to learn. Um, and you know, what also helped you be a good operator, Steve, was the fact that you were a very good assistant. So you knew that job. You knew what that kind of, your first stand that were, was next to you, what they had to do and how you could communicate. That's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's a difference in the respect that being a focus puller is very, very technical. It's, it, it's not in the creative realms. Being an operator, I mean, you're, you're definitely in the creative element now because you make decisions in terms of framing and composition that are now part of the film. And, uh, and a lot of that is instinct. A lot of that is instruction. You know, a lot of that is, is designed by somebody else. But a lot of the time it's left on your shoulders to do it, to play to play something the way you think it should be done. I mean, you'll know quickly if it's not correct. But uh, <laughs> but but there, when you become an operator, your instincts come into play. And that, because... That's that's a creative. That's that's your first step into the creative part of the film industry. Being an assistant is not is not creative. Although you can make choices as a focus puller, they're not creative choices. They're technical choices. But but that's that's the difference. And um, and and it's a pretty big step. But you know, some some people prefer some people stay assistants forever, and that's okay. You know, I'm you know I've debated even myself whether I wouldn't been better off to do that. Maybe yes, maybe no. But there are people that make a career, but it's a good career, and it's certainly a, a functioning, important part of the job. I mean, all you have to do is go to a film and things and things see things that are not in focus, and you know somebody's not doing their job. Because <laughs> back in my day, I say my day, when we only did everything with a tape measure and marks on the floor, and but uh, there's a lot of things we would not have got away with focus-wise, and. Uh, you know, I remember a film where I had one, one soft shot during the, during a dolly, one soft shot, and throughout the whole film they were trying to find ways to to get back and do that again. It it didn't fly. They they did not want to let that fly. But nowadays you, you can't go to a film nowadays and see it without seeing that stuff. And you know, I mean, it's kind of sad. I mean, you know, maybe things are harder, maybe they're not. But I think it's. A lot of it has to, to do with the way people work, you know, and um, you know, and certainly in our seminars and our and our podcasts, I'll talk about the way I worked as an assistant and what worked for me. You know, you can certainly incorporate that into some of the new. I mean, we didn't have monitors then; like people now using monitors, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I wish that I'd had it. There, there would have been a different way to incorporate that monitor. I would have kept my system, and I would have incorporated the monitor. Let it rather than letting the monitor take over, which it, in many cases it has. And uh, sadly, um, you know, some people are very good at it, but I, I can see it on the screen that it shows that it's different now. Yeah, you, we, we've we've watched films together, TV together, and and, and we can see it. Uh, yeah, and right. Steve's right. I, uh, I mean, you know, you sit there and you're like, you know, you just. And it's just maybe for a brief second or, you know, so, but when we were working, uh, no, not even a buzz. Now, but in some cases now, it's not for a brief second. Sometimes it's right. for a long, sometimes it's a whole shot. It's like, 
you know, I just, I roll over. It's like, you know, the, the tolerance level, the acceptance level has changed. You know, maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe, you know, cause the bottom line is it's about the story and maybe, you know, the fact that if I'm directing a film and there's something an actor is performing, maybe I don't worry about that. You know, I'm just saying that from, from the way I was raised and the way I grew up, that wasn't acceptable, you know, because an out-of-focus shot can take away from the story. It makes you realize, oh, there's a camera. Like, you know, you don't want to be reminded that there's a camera and a lens. You want to, you want to tell the story. You know, like, again, like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fine line now, like, people to accept it or not to accept it, you know, and say, well, I'm, you know, I, at the same time, you don't want to, you don't want a great performance you know, like you don't want to have an actor try to do that again because something was out of focus. You know, like, you know, sometimes that's just not going to happen. You know, so all the more reason to get it right. You know, and, uh, right. It's it's a tough. It's a it's a tough. It's a, mean, it's a tough I new way to look at things. So, I think that the standards have been laxed. I I do. I'll I say do. it. Um, and you know why? For all those years, was it? You know. You wanted everything in focus, and now you're okay with, you know, that kind of focus. Um, but getting back to, um, you know, when we started, the, you know, the equipment, too. Like you were saying, there wasn't, you know, you really had to know your your craft and your skill. Um, you know, even as a camera operator, I mean, yes, there we usually had that little nine-inch monitor that the director and everybody was looking at. But you had to look through it. You know, you were in control. Um, well, and even, and before, think about even before video assist, either the operator was doing it right and had it. You had to tr you had to trust the DP that that they were the alchemist and they were getting um, they were lighting and getting the information on the film and and um, the. Um, uh, you know the the look of the film. I mean, nobody knew what was happening. You know, yeah, you yeah. assumed that the operator was getting the shots that you wanted. It wasn't until dailies that dailies, yeah. all that came together, and it was like, okay, everybody, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> the DP's doing his job, and the operator's getting what we needed. Sometimes but before, yeah, before yeah, video even focus, even focus wise, like sometimes you wouldn't know until the next day. You know, you you might have a guess. You know, I always had a sense of. If maybe there was something wrong or not, but uh, <clears throat> sometimes you didn't find out till the next day if there was an yeah. issue. Yeah, and there's sometimes Steve would say, "If I mean, he knew, I can tell you that he knew when he had something and when he didn't. Um, when there, especially long lens or just really tight shot, you know, he would always go like this after, you know, like, you know, because you're so intense in what you're doing, and then as soon as they say cut, you're just like." And sometimes he would just go like this, no. And the first AD said, okay, then we'll go again. Yeah. And then he would send me to dailies. He'd say, I don't want to go to dailies. I'm afraid to go. You go, you go to dailies. So I I'd walk it. in and I I'd walk in and uh, uh, they'd go, oh, Steve doesn't want to come to them. Like, no, I'm the messenger. So I would, I have to say that 99% of the time, Every take was absolutely fine, but yeah. you you and having been a focus puller for you know for a while, 
you do know you have a you have a feeling I, I, had a son I knew so. right um but he was he was pretty amazing i have to say but he had a system steve had a system and uh early on i knew what the system was and my job as a second was not everybody thinks oh all i did was hit sticks no a good mm-hmm. part of my job was to assist steve and make sure that as he is setting up his focus marks and what he needs to do his job that I was there to facilitate that in any way, whether it was putting green tape on green leaves when um, uh, uh, Jason Scott Lee would come through the um, the bushes in Jungle Book to uh, we use tent stakes, uh, golf tees, you name it, whatever I had to do to help Steve that was the bulk of my job. Here, my best example, if I may, um, we did Courage Under Fire in the desert and uh, with Danzel Washington. There, there's a shot, <clears throat> if you see the movie, where he's coming towards the camera on top of his tank. And, uh, and, and <laughs> here's the thing: I was a tank gunner in Vietnam, and I and I told Linda, I said, tanks are they're just dust machines, and like. There's going to be so much dust, you're not going to see anything. So, you know, while I'm on a long lens and I'm thinking, you know, I would love to be able to put marks out there in the sand, but I know that with this rumbling tank coming at us, you're not going to see anything. So what we did is we put our marks out there and we numbered them. And um, and then Linda, with a with a radio, ran alongside of the tank in the in the dust, and and in my headset would call out numbers. You know, like number one and uh, approaching number two, and I was pulling focus with those numbers, the marks that I had on the ground. So, and number three, I couldn't see her, I couldn't see the marks, but I could hear her. Like, so we had a rhythm, like and number four and number five. So, and and then and that shot, Danzel was very, very hands on, and he would run to the monitor after the shot to check focus, and uh, and and every time we did it a couple of times, but he would run over to see if the focus was good. He understood that. And um, that's probably one of the harder shots, but it certainly put Linda in a position where I really needed her. And she and she understood, not to say one, two, like, you know, one, and, uh, you know, like, the, you know, as I'm moving it, and I'm approached, so I knew when she's saying, and I'm getting to the next number. I mean, all that was uh, was very technical and very artistic, and we did it. And if you see the shot of the movie, you'll... You'll know how it happened, yeah. <laughs> and you'll know well, that you'll know that Danzel went to see it. That happened, so, and it yeah. Did. Well, and if you remember, Steve, there was a well, they had a flame bar, too, oh, yeah. because it was supposed to be shooting over. And I remember at one point, Denzel came to the monitor and he was looking, and he goes, "It looks in focus, but the you know, but the heat waves." Yeah, he was. Yeah, so I believe at one point they they even dropped the bar yeah, down. Changed it, yeah. yeah, they changed it because. He, he was in focus, but those heat waves and and as when I saw the I forgot that the the bar was in there, and I'm thinking to myself, of course the heat waves are gonna make it look like it's soft. Yeah, yeah so um, we figured it out and and changed that. But uh, yeah, so it would have been so okay the way, but he wanted it to be good. So so yeah, yeah he, I mean he he's so smart and yeah, he's, he's you know he knows hands on, very hands he on. knows what's going on. But what we did is when we laid sandbags. And then I would go out with, 
so I put the sandbag down and I would go out where the path of the, the tank was and Steve would get a focus mark. Yep. So as Steve said, we did that with all the marks and in between each mark, when the tank was halfway, I would say the word and, and. so that Steve knew we were halfway between one and two. And I knew that I was rolling in the right direction. So. Right. And then I had to make sure that it wasn't the front of the tank, but it was actually when Denzel's right. eye line he was, yes. hit that. Because it was really tight. I forgot the lens. It was really tight. It was really tight. And, was and really shots. as he's firing the fifty caliber, you see the, you know, the shells going off. I had on a purple-blue down right. jacket. And I didn't realize that a lot of the shells were going in my hood. And as as we're running, I think it was at the very last one, and we get done, the uh, bunch of stunt guys came over and were just pulling me. And I was like, what's going on? And they're like, those shells are, you know, like burning up in your, your hood. And I took it off and they were all singed. Yeah, they're, they're hot. But, yeah, it was hot. But, you know, I, I felt something hit me, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm I'm glued into this. Yeah. Well, um, welcome to the war. Yeah, yeah welcome to war. Um, yeah. And be, and we had, um, I don't know if you remember, but we were setting up, we did, we did the, we did from dis, um, like Thanksgiving to Christmas, everything was at night because the nights are longer. And then from January to the end of the movie, it was all day because the light, light is getting longer. I was like, oh, that's smart. But they had... Um, uh, dummies all over the place to represent dead soldiers, unfortunately. And one day I went up and there was one just laying there. We get ready to shoot and I, and I sort of nudged it. And uh, then one of the Teamsters came over. He was delivering something to Roger Deakins. And, and as he was walking back, he kicked one. It was a guy. It was, an extra. It was an extra. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm glad I didn't do that. And I'm more mixed. Yeah, um, but we, but you know, we've done that shot that Steve described quite a few times. Uh, remember um, the camels in Florida? Oh yeah, yeah, coming over the hill. Coming over the hill, the same way I'm calling out, and it's like I'm running and tight uh, shot on a camel. She's running next to the camel, but but because I couldn't see the camel until it came up over the top of the hill, right? And and the head the head appeared before it was at the top of the hill. So she's calling off marks on the other side of the hill. But yeah, that was on Jungle Book. Oh, no, uh, I forgot some movie we did, TV movies. Um, Doolittle? I mean, some guy that was talking to the animals or something. Oh, and it's a lot of Yeah, them. and uh, we did it twice. And the second time I missed the very last mark. And uh, when I came over to the camera, he goes, what happened to five? And I was like, I fell. Yeah. <laughs> I did a face plant. <laughs> and we worked a lot. Working with animals is a whole other story too. A lot of exactly. things to know about working with animals. And um, one of my my favorite stories was um, might have been the same movie. Um, I was sitting on the ground next to the camera, and they brought in a male lion. Oh yes. And we were doing a close up. A male lion's head is beyond belief when you're right next to it. They're really big and uh, and quite beautiful, but. He put the male lion right in front of me, right in front of the camera. So, so I'm staring at it, and uh, the trainer is standing next to me. And I, I said, "Oh, his eyes are really, really green." And he goes, 
you're not looking at him, are you? <laughs> and, I, and I went, he goes, don't stare at him. And I'm like, how do you not stare at him? He's right, he's two feet away from me. So I went like this. He goes, no, don't stare at him because he'll take that as a threat and a challenge. And I, and he said, and he, he might like slap your face off. <laughs> it's like, why did we you tell me that before you put him there? But, no, he didn't. And we were really close yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, it was like this, this close. But he said, yeah. don't stare at him. And I said, who knew? How do you not well, stare Well, and remember, there were, they wanted to do lightning strikes behind him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they wanted to do like heat lightning strikes. And uh, I, I, I went over to Steve and I was like, okay, so it's not just that we have a lion in front of us, but he's going to get spooked by, yeah, yeah. you know, what's going on. Uh, that's also where we learned the three, thing, three things not to be. And you were one of them. Uh, which is small, single, and maimed. Yeah. <laughs> you were small, low and you were, you were single, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. On the sets, they tell people, don't, if there's animals around, don't wander off by yourself. Don't bring children, you know, for sure. And, uh, and we had a kid on that set, yeah, too. Just, just don't do it. And, um, but, you know, there's a lot of experience. I had a lot of fun experiences. Uh, who were the actors that told me to pull her pants down? So, uh, oh, um um, <laughs> on uh, my favorite Elizabeth movie. Hurley Elizabeth Hurley came out on the set and I'm on the ground we're doing a shot looking up and she had these tights on and um, and 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 right away she goes Steve Steve pull my pants down and I'm like <laughs> and everybody's like what she meant she, they were like pedal pushers she wanted me to pull the she wanted from the ankle. The ankles down, like to pull them down. <laughs> the way she said, it, everybody's like, "Oh, lucky Steve!" And I'm like, "What?" But it was. I mean, it was a funny. It's a funny moment afterwards. Everybody goes, "Oh, well, you." That was a. That was a something to remember. Elizabeth Hurley telling you that. Yeah, and she was great, and uh, they're all. They were all great. There's only been a couple of bad apples. Only a couple. So. Yeah, I mean, I remember that moment, and when she goes, "Steve, Steve, pull my pants down." He was, you know, looking up at her like this, and then I was behind him, and the steady or the operator was there, and he went, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like that, and she just kept putting her leg out, like pull it down. And yeah, I, I mean, she was, question. yeah, she was nice, yeah, she but I never got the inkling that she really knew our names. Well, Obviously, she, she she knew my name. Yeah, she knew right. our names. Yeah. I mean, she called me by name, you know, later on, yeah. but. Um, Sometimes actors are like that, but, you know, she w didn't have a lot of conversation with us, but obviously she was aware enough to know who we were. And speaking of that, we, we one of our seminars happens to be for actors. And um, that as an actor, it's not a bad thing to learn the names of the crew and stuff. Like uh, Alyssa Milano was one of my favorites, too. She she saved me on a shot because she understood because she understood what I was doing in uh, terms of there was a scene where there was her and, and somebody else, they were, they were staggered. She was right behind them, but the dialogue was almost overlapping and I had to pull focus back and forth. And, and it was becoming an issue because they were overlapping the dialogue. And, and um, you know, I, I was explaining it to the director what was happening, you know, but we, we didn't want them to have to deliver their dialogue one at a time, it wouldn't have been natural. So, you know, I wasn't. I said, I don't have a split. Sometimes you have a split focus-wise where you can carry both people. But she got it right away. And she said, no, no, no. She's all, she just came in. She said, I'll just come in. 
And she came in right over her shoulder where I did have a split. And she understood it right away because she's she'd been in TV forever. And, uh, but, you know, since she was a child. But but she helped me right away. She said, no, 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 I'll just come in. But she knew it. And, and that's one of the things as an actor, she understood what what I was doing, that I was racking focus on the dialogue. And, and she understood how to fix it, which was good. Right. She was helpful. All right. Well, this gives you a little preview of what you're going to get. We're going to have stories. Um, if, Like we said, if there's one thing you get when you're in a film business is great stories. And we have a lot of them. And the people that we're going to have on will have stories as well. And um, we're just hoping that you enjoy um, our stories and learn something. And hopefully, you know, you'll give us some responses back. So, uh, if you'd like, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Film Five O. Our webpage is called thefilm50.com. If you'd like to email us, you can at info at thefilm50.com. And all that information is on our website. So uh, go over to the website and... Um, why don't you click on uh, the, our mailing list, sign yourself up, and you'll get information on when our next podcast is, uh, where they're available, and all the information that you're going to need that we can keep you up to date with. And please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. All right. So um, that just about ends our podcast for today. And again, it was a little background into who we are. Uh, some stories. We have a ton more. And we have plenty of our colleagues that will come on and not only give you great information and great stories, but um, I think you're really going to enjoy and like it. So um, I want to say thank you for listening for today. This has been the Film 5.0 podcast with my co-host and co-founder, Steve Hiller. And um, I think that's it. Yep. For today. For now. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast.